into cybersecurity? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Tuesday, January 9th, 2024. This is episode number 531 of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, uh, me, you, Marcus Kyler of the Yeet Crew, Jamalyn Ruiz, Senfilis, Hemoglobin, Toasty Pops, M1 Tech, John De La Cruz, the Blue Badges like Tina Tini and Brian Peake, Omni Investments coming in strong. The folks over on LinkedIn like Logan Fuller. Long timers, first timers, and everyone in between. We're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I will be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So how can you leverage this information to drive cyber risk reduction for your business stakeholders? And if you're looking to break into the industry, You've got a seat at the table too, my friend, because we're going to be going through uh, terminology, concepts, current events, and you will be asked in any single cybersecurity job interview, how do you stay current on the industry? This right here is just a banger of an answer. What's up, Travis W. coming in hot right out the gate, gifting five subs. So congratulations to those new five minted squad members. Thank you so much. <laughs> Priceless pancakes, a hashtag medium timer. I love it. Just as a reminder, for those who don't know, I do not prep or research any of these shows. So you're getting my rough, rugged, raw analysis. I don't even know the stories that are about to drop. Um, and I'm giving it to you straight, pulling out little nuggets for you to take and go forward with. Now, I want to tell you, before we get into it, I want to give a huge shout out to the stream sponsor, starting with my good friend, Eric Taylor and Barricade Cyber Solutions. Listen, y'all, Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks, like ransomware, can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But guess what, y'all? You all know this. Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Link in the description below. Travis W. coming back around on the carousel with a $10 super chat. Good morning. My first team live of 2024. Well, welcome to the party, pal. Love it. Thanks to the squad membership. Thanks for the super chat. And thanks for that red badge. That blue one's right around the corner, Travis. Also want to say shout out and love to uh, Panopsi. 
Panopsi Security. Guys, get a partner who understands your cyber program and business goals. If you're looking to augment your staff, you know, for a targeted need, like we need to do tabletop exercises. We need to do an enterprise risk assessment. We've got, um, we just got hit with a uh, in, an incident and now the checkbook's open and the business is saying, do whatever you got to do. But what does that mean? How do you know how to spend that money? Anyone can go buy a shiny bauble and rack it and stack it. Does it actually drive cyber risk reduction? Is it duplicative of the control set you already have implemented at your organization? I don't know, but you know how you do know? Get Panopside uh, Security to come in and check out your situation and more importantly, give you a tailored plan of attack on how you can go from where you are to where you need to be for cyber risk posture. Panopside.com, love those guys. I'm also a board member um, at Panopside Security an unpaid position, so I don't want you to think I'm financially motivated up here spitting this. Like, it's, what I'm saying is true. It just, I also happen to be on the board there. Shout out and love to Anti-Siphon Training, but more about them at the mid-roll. I do want to, uh, hold on one second. Um, all right. <laughs> A lot going on. Um, I do want to say that each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief is worth half a CPE, so be sure to say what's up in chat, grab a screen uh, shot. I saw someone, I think maybe David Robbins the other day, put the date and his name. Um, and it took. I know he took a screenshot of that for sure. Uh, so that's a good idea. So whatever it is, but what I would say is write something in chat. There's a reason it's on chat, uh, on stream over there. So you could say what's up. And if you don't know what to say, or you just want to say a little bit of extra, drop a hashtag team SC in chat. We are all one simply cyber community hashtag team sc if you're with us uh also if you are here for the very first time i know we, we we play around with the first timer a little bit but if this is your first episode if someone told you about it or youtube pushed it into your feed and you're like what the heck let us know hashtag first timer simply because first timer we have a special emote for you we have a special sound effect for you and we love, love welcoming first-timers into the community. So welcome aboard, first-timer. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Woo. All right. It is Tuesday, which means it's Tidbits Tuesday, where I'll share a little bit of uh, something about me with all of you. And I can't wait. Uh, I, I'm going down the nostalgia uh, hole today with you guys. And I'm going to share something that's just really important to me. And I loved it. All right, guys, it is time to work, which is like, wah, 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 but that's what we got to do. So do me a favor, sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over all of us in an awesome wave. I will see you all at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. <laughs> Google accounts hacked, no passwords required. All right, Arthur, Arthur Esposito, our first timer, first first timer that I see in chat. What's up, Arthur? Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. And we're going to get him some of those emotes like I promised. Where are you? There we go. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome, Arthur. That is John McLean from Die Hard looking out the window yelling, welcome to the party, pal, to you. Uh, except you're not falling out of the Nakatomi Plaza building. Okay. <laughs> Changing your password is no longer enough thanks to this Google exploit. An analysis from security firm CloudSec discovered this new malware, which exploits third-party cookies to gain persistent access to Google accounts, even if the password is reset. 
These hackers are able to retrieve these cookies, which are typically designed to allow users to stay logged in without continuous authentication, effectively bypassing the two-factor authentication. In a statement to The Independent, Google said, quote, we recommend turning on enhanced safe browsing in Chrome to protect against phishing and malware downloads and that they have, quote, taken action to secure any compromised accounts detected. Lone Depot joins growing lists of U.S. Oh, wow. Hold on. <laughs> this this speaker doesn't really take a breath between stories. It kind of rolled right on through that. All right. So really quickly, I saw a super chat come in. George Strasberger. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you, George. Team SC, West Coast at 508. What's the O stand for? Oh, my God. It's early. I love it. <laughs> All right. So check it out. Google, um, you know, this is interesting to me because it looks it looks spicy and salacious, right? Like Google accounts hacked without password. Um, but I don't know. You correct me if I'm wrong, but this looks like uh, session cookie stealing. Like, I, I, it, as far as I know, that attack has existed for some time. That's why info stealers like Raccoon Info Stealer and Redline Info Stealer are are so popular and so per, you know pervasive as a threat actor tool in their toolkit is because. They steal these cookies and then they can basically log in or not log in. They can just access your Google stuff uh, simply because Google, like the server itself thinks that you have authenticated and it thinks the threat actor is you. Therefore, the threat actor has authenticated, right? So they do mention an opportunity in here to uh, turn on some safe browsing mechanism. I'm actually... I'm actually going to investigate this myself. I do use Chrome. I do use a lot of Google products. I do use Google Federated Authentication to authenticate to certain things, um, meaning you know I don't create a native local account for say something like um, Asana or or whatever, like you know or Notion or you know insert what you know cloud-based solution here. There's like the use your Google creds here, authenticate with that. Um, sometimes I choose to do it just to kind of keep things tied together. Sometimes I do it just because I'm lazy and don't want to uh, manage a separate one. But um, I don't know if the stealing uh, will affect that, uh, those uh, federated authentications. But certainly if you're running Google workspaces for your business, you really want to be mindful of this. If you're running Google for per for personal, whether it's Google, um, whether it's Google, um, Mail or Google Calendar, right? We a lot of us uh, do run those things. Give me one second, I'm like cooking in here right now. Um, be mindful of that. Now they are saying that threat actors are embedding these in their new in their like AI toolkits, which a lot of buzzwords being thrown around in there. But um, essentially, best practices you've got to remember this attack. This attack right here requires. This attack is post exploitation. All right. So Carl, in Ar Arturo or Arthur, the, the, Carl is a avatar for a general end user who's not tech savvy. Here's the deal. If this is happening to you, your box is already owned. This is post exploitation. You've already clicked on a fish. You've already like run some type of executable on your box that's that's taken over. The threat actor is calling from inside the house. This is not like this is not them just getting onto your Google accounts magically. This is running an info stealer, which is additional payload of malware on your box or on your end user's box. And 
Then your end user logging into a Google site or credential, and then them stealing that, then them pushing that to wherever their C2 infrastructure is, then them using it. So there's a lot that goes on. Like Google account hacked without need for password. Sounds like it's the, the victim isn't involved in the workflow. That's what that headline kind of would lead you to believe, which is why I'm sure they used it. So it seems more like, ooh, stop and read me. This is a, a hook of a, of a title, but it is post-exploitation, okay? Johnny Five with the birthday. <gasps> Welcome, Johnny Five. Again, um, unfortunately, or, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, this story is not one. You, I would not encourage you take this and send it to your end users because it's 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 misleading. That this is post exploitation malware. Um, what I would encourage you to do is potentially this is this is not easy to do, but it's worth checking out. Is um, making sure that you're doing uh, control validation, right? It's everybody identifying and protecting your NIST CSF is great, but is the detect part happening, right? A lot of people don't test that. You need to use attack emulations or pen testers or red teamers or continuous start exposure management platforms, like whatever you want. Choose your own adventure, and each adventure has a different price tag. Choose your own adventure, but test controls, at, at least your EDR. Um, to, to make sure that like your end users, if they fall victim to downloading malware and, and attempting to install it, that at least you can protect them from themselves, right? Mortgage oh! lenders attacked. Quote, Loan Depot is experiencing a cyber incident, end quote. That is the bulk of information the lending giant offered on their official company website on Monday. Loan Depot confirmed the cyber attack in a filing with federal regulators, describing the incident as involving the, quote, encryption of data, end quote, although the company would not confirm a ransomware attack. As a result, the company shut down certain systems, but said, quote, reoccurring automatic payments are processing as expected, but there may be a temporary delay in your payment history, end quote. Loan Depot is the fifth largest retail mortgage lender in the U.S., and joins a list of other mortgage lenders, including Mr. Cooper and Fidelity National Financial, to be breached in recent months. Netgear and Hyundai. Whoa, take it easy. <laughs> I almost wonder, I almost wonder if this is AI. Uh, let me see. Lauren Verno. No, I guess she's real. She has one post today, so she's brand new. I, I'm not trying to. Um, I'm not trying to like throw shade at this woman, but like she's she's like crushing right into the next story. There's like not even time to think. Think I wasn't sure because AI, uh, when you do text to audio on AI, it doesn't it doesn't register like when an intelligent like when a a human would be like, oh, it makes sense to pause now. That's why I was wondering if she was uh, human. Uh, confirm she appears to be human. Shall we play a game? All right. Uh, so the. The story here is that Loan Depot, which, by the way, I've never heard of, but they're a major um, home loan place, probably business to business. Uh, I know Dave Robbins. I, I, I'm trying to be, I'm being gentle. I'm just, I'm sorry. It was more about, is she AI or not? That, that's, that was it. Okay. And, and welcome, welcome to the party. Welcome to the party, Lauren Verno. Be inclusive of her. So here's the deal. For me, honestly, um, this is an interesting story. It's not good. Obviously, this is a major uh, mortgage lender. Obviously, there is major sensitive information in here of, you know, like when you buy a house in the United States, at least, 
there's massive amounts of financial information that you have to submit. You have to um, prove that you can pay these loans. You have to prove where money came from. Like there's a lot of sensitive financial information that comes down. Also the amounts of that financial information, not, not like two terabytes of information, but like if I have $75 million, like when I go to buy, I mean, probably if I have 75 million, I'm probably paying cash for the house, honestly. But if I'm going to go file a uh, mortgage paperwork, right? You're going to see that I have $75 million of assets. Again, for threat actors, at least for me, right? Time is like easily the most valuable asset I have. Like there's not, there's like definitely first and second most important thing is my time. So I'm sure these threat actors are the same way, right? If if I'm going to be a threat actor and I'm going to, I only have so much time to commit my crimes, right? Wouldn't it be beneficial if I knew who the fattest wallets were in the room or the biggest whales in the room or the, or the softest, you know what I mean? Like, like it's, it, it takes the same amount of effort to pop this person or this person. So why not go for the fatter wallet? Right. Which is to me, what, where that's the real concern with all this information. Uh, the second thing I would point out, oh, coming in hot with a super chat here, James McQuiggan's kicking off the spring college semester today with new students of our next generation. Part of their homework will be to attend the daily cyber threat brief and to discuss each week. Yes, James. Thank you. Did we just become best friends. Yep. Hashtag team live, hashtag crushing it, hashtag professor McQuiggan. That's right. The Citadel starts tomorrow also, James. So right there with you, buddy. Um, the, the other thing, just to put a, a note on it, if you haven't been paying attention, um, like this is yet another mortgage lender, right? I don't think this is some diabolical cabal working together in order to upset the United States housing market. We've done a good job of dorking that up ourselves. But it is interesting that Mr. Cooper, who I'd never heard of, Loan Depot, and then um, like there's a title insurance company that got hit that was big, like Capital America or something like that. Um, so anyways, there's clearly an uptick in this industry. So um, at this point, it's definitive. If you work in this industry, if you work in the like mortgage industry, mortgage lending industry, uh, real estate industry, you and you're in a big company, you absolutely need to escalate this ASAP. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, this needs to be a priority. Like, get the executives on board, make them aware. You there's enough. You know, once is an incident, twice is a coincidence, three is like a pattern. Like we have a pattern. Big, big targets are getting taken down. And you know that they have huge budgets for their infosec. There's no way, there's no way like one of the largest mortgage lenders in the United States is is che um cheaping out on cyber security, right? So then now we're talking more sophisticated threat actors. So, anyways, I don't think there's an ISAC for the real estate market, uh, but I don't know if you tell me in chat, would this fall under like real estate or financial services? I feel like maybe it's financial services because it's straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. I don't know. All right, let's keep going. Uh, Miss Lauren, please. X accounts latest to be compromised in crypto scam. Hackers hijacked verified X, formerly known as Twitter accounts, of tech giant Netgear and car maker Hyundai to spread malware that steals crypto. The attackers renamed the account Hyundai MEA to impersonate Overworld, which describes itself as a, quote, 
cross-platform multiplayer RPG backed by Binance Labs, the venture capital and incubator arm of the Binance Cryptocurrency Exchange, end quote. The fake accounts led followers to a malicious website promising to give the first 1,000 newly registered users $100,000. But anyone who connected to the site would have their assets stolen. The impersonated account warns ex-followers that this frequently happens. Dude, you are so dumb. You are really dumb. A hundred grand, bro. All right, Chris Young with the super chat. Thanks to the Daily Cyber Threat Brief, the GRC Study Hall, and the Breakfast Club Q&A, which happens at the end of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief. I just got into a master's degree program. Nice. Next goal, get voted to the Yeet Crew Vice President. Thanks for all you do. Yeet Crew. And thanks for the super chat, Chris Young. Did we just become best friends? Yep. And congratulations on acceptance into that master's degree program. Love it, love it, love it. Straight crush it, homie. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack here. First of all, if your business has a Twitter account um, or you have a personal Twitter account, but really, like, if your business has a Twitter account or if you're, like, an individual, like, Kim Kardashian, right? Like, her personal um, Twitter account is essentially a business. But if you have an account that's got a huge following, whether you built it yourself or it's a business or you bought it or whatever... Um, your, your target, right? This, this, this attack is basically pretty straightforward. Threat actors take over a, an account with a huge following and then they change the name of it. And then they, which they don't even have to do. Honestly, they could, they could not do that, but they, they change it. And then they post a, um, a, a, a phishing scam post. That's all it is. Right. And, and basically, I mean, dude, this is like, this is like internet fraud 101. In fact, if you take my cyber 101 class, I'm pretty sure I I have an entire module, not just lecture. I have like five lectures on different types of like fraud and how to commit fraud. Don't get excited. I'm like, I don't want you to commit fraud. Okay. Like, again, I say this all the time. The things I teach here and in my class, they're for knowledge. And so you can defend. Okay. Now, this is basically fraud 101. I get a huge following that trusts this account. And I put a I put a link out to um, something. Now they said the the entice was the first t- ten people that register or will a uh, thousand people that register will get a hundred thousand dollars. Like that's like ten billion dollars, right? If I'm doing like some quick math here, or that's one billion dollars. So they're literally saying they're gonna they're gonna give a billion dollars out for a thousand people. That is so dumb that like, like you would think that that alone, that alone would flag you as like, even if you're gullible, you're like, wow, that sounds too good to be true. Hmm. Like that's insane that they would do that. Um, but, um, you know, it's a scam and basically you go in and then they steal your money. Period. End of story. Crypto's going to crypto. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it. Love it. Love it. George Strasberger, the Cyber 101 class is not out yet. It is in beta still. You cannot pre... I, I, I haven't gotten sophisticated enough to allow people to pre-purchase or pre, pre-register or whatever. Um, so, But it's coming out very soon, end of the month um, or at, beginning of February. Uh, so anyways, the TLDR here is make sure if you have an account, whether it's on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, space, my chat, whatever platform you're using out there, 
Multi-factor authentication, please. Also, if multiple people have access to the account, make sure that you're reviewing that access. Make sure it's appropriate and make sure it's limited. Really, you shouldn't like give the entire PR department, for example, you shouldn't give the entire PR department access to the Twitter account, right? Like, let's say like Hyundai, this, this was a Hyundai account, a Netgear account. Let's say you have 20 people who work in public relations and marketing. Do you think all 20 should have access to the Twitter account? No. Hey, welcome to the job. Like, congratulations on graduating, um, you know, like little Sally or little Johnny. Like, welcome to the team. Today's your first day. Here's your laptop. Here's where the coffee maker is. Here's the bathroom. And here are the creds to the 200,000 follower Hyundai Twitter account. We'll see you around at lunchtime. Like, no, 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 no. Like, you need to protect that, both the initial access the multi-factor of the access and the recurring access to make sure it's appropriate or else crap like this happens. Negotiations continue as LockBit claims attack on Capital Health. The Capital Health Hospital Network is under a deadline as the LockBit ransomer group says they will release additional data stolen and negotiation chats if they do not pay up by Tuesday. The ransomware gang claimed responsibility for the attack by listing the healthcare company on its data leak extortion website. The group said it, quote, didn't encrypt this hospital as to not interfere with patient care. We just stole over 10 million files, end quote. The cybercriminals also alleged to have stolen seven terabytes of sensitive medical data that they say they will release if the ransomware is not paid. All right. So look at these righteous criminals. These righteous criminals. Don't sweat it. We didn't. We didn't encrypt the data. We care about patient safety. We only stole 10 million files. Again, I, I got to tell you, LockBit, whether it's, so LockBit is a, you know, tier one ransomware threat actor, okay? Which means they're the best of the best. There's a couple that are the best of the best and they're one of them. Now, they are saying that, they're saying that they didn't encrypt the data with the intent of not disrupting business operations. You got to remember some of these threats. First of all, Lockbit is a affiliate ransomware group, so you can have some jackwagon who, uh, you know, goes ham on like a children's cancer hospital, which did happen in Louisiana last year, or you can have them do something like this, where they're like, "This is the equivalent." Okay, this is the equivalent of the bank robbery scene in the movie Heat, which is absolutely legendary. But when Robert De Niro fires the, uh, the rifle off in the uh, shotgun off in the bank and says, everybody calm down. We're not here for your money. We're here for the bank's money. Your money is insured. Just stay there and we will be out of here in a moment. This is kind of what they're saying. They're saying, hey, don't sweat, um, you know, like community, patients, families of patients. Don't worry. We're not here to screw around with patient safety. We're here just for capital health's money, capital health has the money to pay us and it, this doesn't involve you like that's basically what they're saying now first of all i even though they're criminals and they suck and it, it's it's not fair um i do appreciate that they are deliberately not impacting uh patient safety but i i would say i would say this though in all honesty a lot of threat actors are not encrypting the data anymore like for a while, it was just encrypt. Then Conti got going with the double extortion technique where they encrypt and then they um, 
exfil data and then sell the data to you back or to uh, when he, whoever wants it. Now, I think that the encryption is getting detected a lot faster and being prevented. So a lot of threat actors are just exfilling data, not even bothering with the encryption process. So, you know, this might be a really interesting exercise in public relations and spin. Like they may not have even wanted to encrypt the data, but they're, they're like calling it as a win. Um, we'll see what Capital Health does. Obviously, with all this data, it's exactly what you would think with patient data. You, you run the risk of uh, like Lockbit's going to release the data or sell it right? There's no way that they're just going to like take it on the chin of Capital Health tells them to go pound sand. So this data is going to get out likely because th these large companies don't typically pay, especially by the way, especially because Capital Health did not have business operational impact. So their level of pain is not that high. Their level of pain right now is dealing with HHS OCR and a HIPAA breach. Their level of pain is dealing with patients who are going to be upset that their data got compromised. But Capital Health sounds like a conglomerate. I mean, I'm 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 doing a little bit of a speculative hot take. Remember, I don't I don't like um research these stories in advance. So I don't know how big Capital Health is, but but just think about it, right? Like if if Amazon, like everybody knows Amazon, right? So if Amazon got hacked and and all their data exfilled, but and, and their business operations went down. So you couldn't use amazon.com. You couldn't use the app. You better believe they're losing like millions of dollars a minute. You better believe that they would pay a ransom to get things back up and running. Now, same exercise, Amazon gets hit, but there's zero impact to their workflows and business processes. You could still go buy a yoga mat right now. All that got taken was customer data. Well, now it's a question of Amazon dealing with the, the reputational damage and the harm of like, what's the image of Amazon? All they're going to do is send a letter out saying like, your your security, your information and data is really serious to us. We take your privacy quite seriously. Sorry. Here's a here's another, here's another like identity theft protection to throw on the tire fire in the background. So for me, I don't know what's going to happen here. The real victims are the patients because their health information is going to be compromised. I've gone into length before on the show about most people most people don't think about their health data as like that big a deal, right? But if you're in a, a marginalized demographic, if you're in if you have a lifestyle that is like socially um looked down upon, right? You might not want people to know that you have a certain condition or affliction or disease. You may not want people to know about a certain lifestyle that you have, that you have to go to the doctor for, right? Or, or mental health, bro. <laughs> mental health still, I mean, it's gotten a lot better over the last you know, 15 years in the United States, but it's still got some of a stigma. And if say you're schizophrenic and you're on medicine for schizophrenia, people might look at you differently. You might not be able to get a job, right? So of all these reasons, patient data is very sensitive and important, but like capital health got attacked, not the individuals. But there's there's an asynchronous impact here because capital health is fine, essentially, and the patients are the ones who are screwed. And now a word from our sponsor, Vanta. From dozens of spreadsheets and screenshots to fragmented tools and manual security reviews, Managing the requirements for modern compliance and security programs is increasingly challenging. Vanta is the leading trust management platform that helps you centralize your efforts to establish trust 
and enable growth across your organization. Over 6,000 companies partner with Vanta to automate compliance, strengthen security posture, streamline security reviews, and reduce third-party risk. To see Vanta's platform firsthand and access resources, plus a special offer, go to vanta.com slash CISO and watch their three-minute product demo. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash C-I-S-O. All right. Hey, uh, I don't know if there's any other first-timers here, but we do this every mid-roll, too. All right, everybody. Welcome to the party. Welcome to the party, pal. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. I want to say shout-out to all of you. Thanks so much for being here. Shout-out to Nick Barker. That guy's legendary. Coming to us 5.30 a.m. from the elliptical, just just losing it like it's hold on it's not appropriate and i don't know why but nick nick parker i i love you but like in my mind did do you guys remember this is a bit of a deep cut okay but do you remember the saved by the bell episode where jesse gets hooked on like caffeine pills and she's like i'm a maniac i'm a maniac. like she's like trying to study for like i don't know like a college exam or something like that and it was like the drug intervention episode where like zach had to shake her or whatever like in my mind for no reason, Nick Parker is just like on an elliptical right now, like losing his mind. <laughs> so anyways, Nick, you're living rent free in my head. Um, okay, let's go. All right. Hey, I want to say shout out and thank you to all of you. If you're getting educational value or entertainment value from the stream, uh, do me a favor, hit the like button real quick. It goes a long way to help other people find the show. Any first timer that's here, they probably found us because of this. And you yourself may have found us because of this. You may not have known that's how it happened, but it probably was. Guys, let me tell you about the stream sponsors, Anti-Siphon. Thanks, Barricade and Panopside. Love it, love it, love it. But Anti-Siphon is really crushing it. They are disrupting the traditional cybersecurity training industry by providing cutting-edge cybersecurity education taught by some of the industry's best practitioners. Um... I got a special thing to tell you. Space Talkers, I'll get to that in just a hot second. At the end of January and the first week of February, there are back-to-back week-long trainings for $0 taught by John Strand, who if you don't know who John Strand is, he's the creator of Black Hills Information Security. He's a former well-respected SANS instructor. You're basically getting SANS-type like SANS training quality uh, for $0 from a legend in the industry. Go use the links in the YouTube description below for the active defense and cyber deception class at the end of January and the SOC core skills at the beginning of February. I've taken the active defense and cyber deception. It's such an awesome class. John is such an awesome individual. Believe me, if you take them, you will not be unhappy. You will definitely come back and say it was a good experience. I promise you. Just like I tell you, building your network of the community challenge will work. I tell you, networking is important. All the things I'm telling you that this training is going to be super dope. All right. Hey, we got the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Um, Timothy Bradley currently holds the baton. So listen, if you would like to blow up your um, LinkedIn like basically if you want to build a professional network that's awesome supportive inclusive and your linkedin feed has a lot of value to it listen up 
Go on LinkedIn and search for this hashtag, hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Find the people posting, connect with them, comment on their post, connect with the comments. Comment on their post, connect with the poster, connect with the people in comments. That's an active act for you, active act. Now, passively, the next person who comes in and connects with the people in comments will automatically connect with you too. So you will be building your network out passively, but with curated, like-minded, supportive individuals. Believe me, five minutes a day, two weeks, you come back and tell me I was wrong. You won't. You'll come back and tell me I was 100% right. There's multiple testimonials in chat. People have done it. People continue to do it. Your professional network is unbelievably valuable. I cannot overstate it, okay? So Timothy Bradley, please tag somebody in chat. I see you asking for the baton. Uh, please tag someone in chat. All right, guys, we got Tidbits Tuesday, but first the la-la-la-las. All right, hey, Tidbits Tuesday. Every Tuesday, I share a little bit about me. I want you guys to know my first real car. Um, I was, you know, 17, loved it, was the Datsun 280Z, a 1983 280Z. I drove this thing for years. I took it to college. Um it, this it, this isn't the exact one I have, but it's same year and everything, same rims, and uh, it was a stick shift. And that was actually going to be my tidbits Tuesday is that I miss driving a stick shift. But when I thought about it, the why I miss it is because I miss this car. I loved, loved the Datsun 280Z. If you've ever been in one, you know exactly what it is. It was just, for me, um, you know, it was, it was the coolest car. I felt like such a BA in it. Um, Loved it, loved it, loved it. Oh, I miss you, Dotson. <laughs> My brother had the same car, except his was like way cooler. It was all like, you know, custom paint job, custom everything. Uh, so anyways, yeah, where it is. Let's go. Swatting is back with vengeance. Pay up or risk the police showing up to a patient's home. That is the decision some healthcare providers are facing as ransomware hackers are increasingly using the swatting tactic. Consider it an extreme form of prank calling where the hacker will repeatedly call police about a certain individual, in this case the patient, claiming extreme allegations, forcing law enforcement to confront the unknowing individual. This tactic was most recently used when medical records were stolen from a cancer center last November. Ransomware gang unveiled. Oh my God. Um, so yeah. All right. So swatting has been around for a while. Uh, we saw it in video games, like, you know, people playing call of duty, getting all pissy and then calling a SWAT to, the um, the house of somebody else playing in the lobby and, uh, people have gotten killed. Like, you know, um, this isn't an editorial on law enforcement either. So we're not doing that here, but just, you know, uh, law enforcement mistakenly uh, reads the situation and um, basically has misidentified an individual as a threat and, and shot and killed them. So it it does happen. Swatting is quite serious. Uh, two things I will say. One, this this example that she gave in the story is disgusting. Um, the um, there was a, um, a a cancer treatment place. I think it was called Fred Hunt or something like that up in Seattle. They got popped. And the threat actor said they wanted $2 million from the hospital. And then they individually contacted patients and said that they needed $50 per patient or they were going to um, like, you know, make it bad for them. And at the time I was like mocking them. I'm like, dude, come on. Like, 
you're asking for $2 million over here. And then you're like, you know, uh, recycling cans over here. Like, what are you doing? So, uh, but swatting is pretty serious. It, it sucks. And nobody should get swatted. Okay. Swatting sucks. But like cancer patients, bro, like they've already got a really shitty. It's, oh my God. Sorry, Kennedy. That one kind of really slipped out. Um, they've really got a tough situation already. And then you're going to throw this on them. It's, it's deplorable. Um, all I could say is the nice thing is that law enforcement is completely within their capabilities to manage this risk, right? I know, um, cause I've, I've asked about this. I know, oh, wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I missed, uh, Adrian, uh, super tacos, a uh, super chat. I'm so sorry. Thank you for reminding me. All right. Space tacos with a super chat. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thanks to the daily breakdown of the cyber news. I'm blazing a trail through the research for my next audit of the IT cyber department. I understand everything in all the previous audits. Yes, sir. Ooh. Nice, nice, nice. Thanks for the super chat space tacos and hundred percent agree with you. If you can get access to prior audits, that makes your um, next audit super powerful because you can build on top of what was already discovered. <gasps> Thank you, uh, Space Tacos, for the Super Chat. And thank you, uh, uh, Chat, for, for reminding me about the Super Chat so I could address that appropriately. Um, the final thing I was going to say is that law enforcement's getting more savvy about these swatting attacks and putting in checks and balances. Uh, but, but I mean, dude, you know what I mean? Like, if, if one, one I've heard is like, hey, like, I'm like, you call and say, hi, I'm, uh, I'm threatening. I've got my family locked in to my house right now. Um, Oh, I, you know, it's just, it's not good. It's, it sucks, uh, honestly, but hopefully law enforcement is mindful of these attacks and doing things that they can to introduce, um, checks and balances basically to verify this stuff, but it's not, it's not simple. That's culprit behind Christmas church attack. The receipt of ransomware gang has taken credit for the Christmas attack against the Lutheran world federation. Now, the Federation, which represents around 77 million people worldwide, said the attack caused all their systems to go down back in December. The Rosita gang said it is ransoming the stolen information for six Bitcoin, or about $280,000. The gang is responsible for dozens of attacks on governments around the world and major companies like Sony. Anti-Hezbollah group. All right, uh, really quick. Hack sauce passed his PJPT or her PJPT. I'm, I'm not assuming gender. Uh, this past weekend, nice job, hack sauce. Way to get it on that PJPT. Love it, love it, love it. Straight killing it. All right, so the Reseda ransomware gang is coming on the scene. Um, uh, pretty strong, right? I, I would, I would push them up. You, like Reseda doesn't do like lots of attacks, but whenever they do do attacks, um, they seem to be very high impact. Um, again, it, as odd as this sounds, they're asking for six Bitcoin, which is about 200,000 and change. Honestly, I take them more seriously with a ransom like that. That is that is kind of spot on for a ransom. It's like, this is going to sound ridiculous, but it's reasonable. It's actionable. Um, it's, it's a win for everybody. Right. I mean, obviously the, the, the Lutheran church organization, world church council or whatever, it's not a win for them. They're victimized. But if you think about like the cost of doing business and everything like that, like 200 grand, uh, I mean, does it have what their annual revenue is in here? Um, 
Let me see if I can find it really quickly. I'm just like, it just seems, uh, do, 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 financial report. Oh my God, I really don't want to go into a PDF. Hold on one second. This is what you do. This is called the research. Let's see if we can find it. Um, can we search for a dollar symbol? No dollar symbol? All right, that's too bad. I'm not going to make you guys. Oh, there we go. Is this in millions or billions? Um, we have to assume this is in millions, right? Revised budget, actual budget. So they have a $22 million budget. All right. It's kind of, I'm not 100% sure because this might not even be in USD. So um, 7 million CHF. I don't know what uh, currency that is. Okay. So here's the deal. Um, 200 grand is reasonable. It just, I guess it, it, to me, it like legitimizes this ransomware gang as like, you know, like the ransomware gang that stole the money and then charged, try to charge the patients $50 each. That's like a joke. Like, yeah, they can charge the patients and they're doing the swatting and stuff, but like, it's kind of like a clown baby action. Like, what are you doing? And then the, and then there's ransomware actors that like hack a business. And then they're like, we want f like the guy who hit Twitter and said he wanted like $400 million. It's like, <laughs> bro, you're never getting $400 million. Like I, I like congratulations on shooting your shot, but like you didn't read the market well enough. 200 grand, like whoever's in charge over here probably doesn't even think through that decision. They're just like 200 grand, write it and let's go. Like, dude, business email compromise on average is around like $87,000. I know multiple organizations that have been hit multiple times and they just stroke the check, write it off as bad debt and keep on walking. Like they don't even slow down. So anyways, like the story is about this ransomware threat actor gang and this church getting hit or this um, organization of churches. But to me, the, the TLDR for you to take away as a practitioner is like the way I register legitimacy of ransomware gangs and kind of like how I order them and tier them and stack them is based on the actions they take and what they demonstrate. And to me, uh, I've been keeping my eye on Reseda because they have been doing the things that would indicate, you know, a professional uh, organization. And this is just another one. Um, so anyways, it sucks. It sucks. Disrupts Beirut airport displays. The information display screens at Beirut's international airport were hacked by domestic anti-Hezbollah groups. The departure and arrival information was replaced by a message accusing the Hezbollah group of putting Lebanon at risk of an all-out war with Israel. The screens displayed a message with logos from the hardline Christian group dubbed Soldiers of God. Now, this group has denied its involvement in the hack. YouTube Titans. Oh my God. Um, all right. So, okay. All right. So here's what we get out of this. Um, here's what we get out of this. First of all, um, let's do, I guess the more, you know, no, oh, we'll do a, a little more, you know, a little more, you know, and a little hacker man. Okay. So check it out. This right here, in the grand scheme of things, when you think of threat actors, most of our stories every day, like this one is financially motivated. This one is, you know, well, the, the root of it was financially motivated, but this is more revenge type motivation. This one is financial. This one is financial. 
This one is financial. Like, hopefully you guys see a pattern. Cyber criminals in 2024 are all about that straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. But every once in a while, we get a new motivation. Not a new motivation, but like a, a, a fringe motivation. And this one right here is hacktivism. All day long, um, whoever this organization is that did it, they're not looking to get paid. They're not looking to, um, you know, get back at a, at a jaded lover, right? There's no scam here. This is straight up hacktivism. And hacktivism, if you didn't know, is basically where you use cyber skills to, um, you know, push some type of activist initiative, whether it's pro-life, pro-choice, uh, Black Lives Matter, anti-war, pro-war, pro-Russia, pro-Ukraine, like whatever it is, anti-drilling in North Dakota, pro-pipeline, like whatever. You, you're you're doing it to push some initiative. And uh, one way to do it is, I mean, this is borderline. I mean, this isn't really terrorism because you're not, you're terrorizing people by scaring them with anti-Hezbollah messaging on the terminal screen. So instead of getting off your plane and seeing which terminal you got to go to, you get off your plane and there's like some, you know, anti-Hezbollah messaging there, right? So that is a little scary, but it's not really impacting operations. Uh, terrorist attack would be like shutting down the airport, right? Like that's, you know, taking down air traffic controller, like doing the story plot from uh, Die Hard 2, right? You know, with this one, interesting, it is effective. You don't, I haven't seen an attack like this, honestly, since um, North Korea hacked Sony Pictures, um, which obviously North Korea like did wipe Sony Pictures, which is an additional attack and increases the level of impact. But they did put that splash screen um, on everybody's computer about, you know, who they were and what the hack was. And it had the little flaming skull thing. Uh, if you've seen the movie Hackers, 1995, Johnny Lee Miller and Angelina Jolie, uh, then you know, like, you know, they did all sorts of like curious kind of fun hacks, like putting things on splash screens. Sometimes you see, um, like occasionally you'll see it on Reddit. Someone hacks the smart fridges at Home Depot and puts some adult web, you know, website on the screen instead of like the shopping list. So anyways, this is an attack. I, I will say for practitioners out there, don't think that this doesn't apply to you. I worked in a hospital for several years. We have kiosks in the hospital that provide information. We have kiosks in the parking garage to show a map of how to get into the different section of the hospitals. If you work at Qdoba, you've got a big menu board up that people look at. If you work at McDonald's, the drive-through is now a digital display. If you work in a manufacturing plant, you probably have displays, either like rotating carousel displays or whatever. Like displays are all over the place and different audiences are consuming them. So, and a lot of people think of those displays as like IoT devices. Heck, just to throw a little love for Gary Sturgiatis, a lot of like more modern breweries and bars will have digital display menus now because it's easier to update when you know new brews come off the line or you you, you 86 a, a keg or something. So those can be attacked either you know maliciously or you know um, like in a fun way, right? It's still not it, if you put like a, a James McQuiggan joke of the week over the menu um, at a bar. It's funny, but it's still an attack, right? It like like just because it's not anti-Hezbollah messaging doesn't mean it doesn't impact that business's operations. So if your business has any of these things, you really should be mindful of 
Like how, how do you change the content on that screen? Who has access to that content? Are there any controls in place? Is it access from the internet? Like some of these um, TVs, like this TV back here reaches out to LG, LG corporate for updates, right? You do a DNS hijack and it reaches out to a, a maliciously controlled infrastructure instead of LG and pulls down a, a, a spiked uh, firmware update and updates. And all of a sudden we've got shenanigans like Charles Finfrock action going on on this TV back here. It could happen, right? So don't sleep on your displays. It's definitely not a uh, priority. Like if you don't have multi-factor authentication in place and you're trying to weigh whether to weigh, spend your time on multi-factor versus like um, IOT TV screens, like let's go for multi-factor first, but then don't sleep on this. Regulations on AI generated deep fakes. In a response to the ever popular true crime generation, YouTube is updating its cyberbullying and harassment policies to no longer allow the content that quote, realistically simulates minors and other victims of crime narrating their deaths or the violence's experience, end quote. The new policy will result in a strike system that ranges from removing the content on a specific channel to shutting down the page entirely. The new policies go into effect starting on January 16th, 2024. Wasn't? Yeah. All right. So first of all, shout out to Hacksauce, not just passing the PJPT, but also picking up the baton. Let's go, Hacksauce. Thanks, Timothy Bradley, as always. Uh, just a quick uh, reminder, um, Justin Golden Mod Chat pointed out with this story, hacking construction signs, like, you know, like uh, construction ahead. We've seen it say like zombie apocalypse and these type of things. So. Like really anywhere you can change displays, it is uh, an attack surface. YouTube cracking down on AA generated true crime deep fakes. All right. Um, I am obviously uh, really sensitive and mindful of YouTube. This show is being presented on YouTube. A lot. Of, I've got a video for that is like basically my catalog of content on YouTube. And if you're new here, I have over a thousand videos on YouTube, many of which can help you depending on like whatever it is you want to do. I, I pretty much, except for parent cybersecurity, I haven't got that yet, but um, so I'm obviously sensitive to this. Uh, I totally appreciate it. Guys, did you know YouTube is the second, uh, the second most used search engine on the internet? And I want to say it's the second biggest um, website on the internet. Um, let me see, biggest websites by traffic. Top websites by traffic. This is January, 2024. I'm not a robot. Oh my God, freaking, are you kidding me? Bridges. I hate these stupid things. Like a robot's gonna figure this out. Like hum it should say, are you a human? And if you get it wrong, what are we doing here? Oh, freaking, all right, whatever. Stupid website. All right. So whatever. I think YouTube's like up there. So um, I appreciate it. Dude, anytime. Here's the thing. Like this isn't generating revenue for YouTube. So I love it when these large companies that have a large societal impact, like who, all of you are on YouTube, right? Like we're all on YouTube. So YouTube, even though Google is a private company, does have a public service you know, obligation, de facto obligation to protect us. And th them doing this 
is a righteous move. I love it. Dude, AI is like bananas right now. And there's so much um, capability of deep fakes. And I don't know what the true crime part is, but like, you know, we're going to really get into a dicey space here in, 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 you know, 2025 of like, evidence tampering and, uh, you know, validation of evidence and stuff like that. But, um, the platform's harassment and cyberbullying policy will prohibit realistic simulates of deceased children and victims of crimes or deadly events. Oh my God. I mean, can you imagine? I I'm, I'm glad they're doing this. And I think that their AI, um, deep fake generated content is, um, going to be, um, increased um, you know, over time, but like, dude, based on what I'm just reading here, this is the case study that they're thinking of. I, I can't even imagine someone doing this, but can you imagine, can you imagine somebody recreating a school shooting, but actually using photos and videos gathered from the internet to create lookalikes of the actual children and showing the before, the during, and the after of an event like that. That would be horrifying, first of all. And secondly, can you think of the trauma? The families will have already experienced massive loss, massive trauma, some of it probably permanent. Um, and then to, to, to be able to like relive that experience, that's horrible. Oh my God. So I'm glad YouTube's doing this. Um, again, that's a really specific case study. I hope to God um, they expand <clears throat> their policy around it. But I, I like who would even think of that of, like kind of scenario to even create that content? That's a special level of disturbed, man. Wow. And then obviously, you know, there's a like... <laughs> That's just like one example. I mean, you could take like basically if you create content of anybody's child and it's deep fake so it looks like my kids, you can have them do anything, right? You can have them jump off a building, right? You could have them be involved in a car accident. Like you could make up scenarios. It's just it's it's really effed. It's really effed. That might be the first time I dropped an F bomb on show. Sorry Kennedy, sorry Pearl. Sorry, baby base case. Sorry. Don't mess with kids, man. What the hell? Like, don't mess with kids. Things are already hard enough. Things are already hard enough. Like for kids. Why you gotta why you gotta do this, man? All right. Single sign on or SSO supposed to solve all of our all right. Hey, uh, shout out to Lauren Verno, the new voice over at CISO Series. Welcome to the party, pal. Keep it up. Let's go. All right. If you were here just for the news, we are at 8.59. Nick Barker nailing it on the time here, buddy. I want to let everybody know that I launched a new podcast at uh, last week. And it's every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So we'll be live in three hours. This is a completely different show. Um, Ryan Leervik is my host or my guest host, co-host, whatever you want to call it, co-host. And this show is entirely focused on individuals that are aspiring cybersecurity entrepreneurs or really any entrepreneur 
or existing entrepreneurs. I'm an entrepreneur. I own my own business. Ryan is an entrepreneur. He owns his own business. Many of you own your own business or want to. Every week for eight weeks, season one, we will have a different host on, a, a God, different guest. And we're going to be answering your questions and giving lessons learned on cyber entrepreneurship. Today's show is freaking nuts. Okay. We have Ben Johnson, um, who is the founder. You may have heard of this company, Carbon Black. <laughs> so he's going to be our guest. He exited uh, and has started a new company called Obsidian. But dude, like OG, and today's episode is called Starting a Startup Episode. We're talking everything that you need to do to start a startup. You want to absolutely catch this one. Believe that. That's 1 p.m. Eastern time on the Simply Cyber YouTube channel. Drop a link in chat. All right. If you got to go, it's 9 a.m. Thank you all so very much. No trust, trash today. So I will be able to be here. Take it easy, Jamie Fleck. All right, guys. Hey, um, I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. This has been the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, episode 531. Thank you to all of you. I'm going to peace out and uh, turn the reins over to Jerry Guy. Have a great day, everybody, and we'll see you back here tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern Time for Worldwide Wednesday. Be well. And until next time, stay secure. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Jawjacking or the Simply Cyber Breakfast Club, as some of us like to refer to it as. I'm your host, Jerry Guy, coming hot off the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing Podcast, episode 531. Coffee cup cheers to all of you. Hope you had a great show. I, I certainly did. Uh, thank you very much. How's everyone doing? Have a good one, Johnny Five. Happy birthday again. Can you get the Batman costume changer thing for this? What is that? The, uh, like the, like the, the thing that spins to the screen and then zooms out. <laughs> That'd be funny. We could do that. Thanks, Chris Young. Yeah, it's, it's chill. We're chilling here. Can we have Jerry Guy wear the wraparound shades that Dan O'Brien and Dave would wear for the, oh my God, Dan and Dave. Didn't one of them not even qualify for the decathlon? It, they were both competing on the decathlon, right? Oh, Dave Robbins, you guys don't take my energy. You guys feed my energy. Uh, Austin Fraley with the first question. What are my thoughts on CYSA Plus? Uh, so I don't have the CYSA Plus, but what I do know is it is targeted more for SOC analysts. Um, the one thing I would say, uh, Austin is it's, I, it's not a fraud, right? So I think it's a good cert to get, especially if you're interested in uh, SOC analyst work, blue team work. One word of advice, I would go look for, uh, job postings that are asking for the CYSA plus and see if those jobs align with what you want to do. You should absolutely keep this in mind. You should never like go chase a cert. If, if, if like, what, what value is it going to give to you? I, I mean, I remember when I worked in the government contracting, 
like you basically could go get like infinite certs. So like if they're paid for, then who cares? Just go do it. Keep leveling up, keep leveling up, take that money um, and have someone else pay for your education. But if you're investing in yourself, if you're taking time away from your family or your hobbies you enjoy um, to get a cert, good on you. But like, what is the end goal? What's the point? Like you should just like a threat actor in the cyber kill chain. Like what's your action on objective? What is the point? Yeah, I could pop a shell and exploit a box and drop an info stealer. But like, what the hell? Like, what's the point? What am I trying to accomplish? What is the goal? Why are you getting the CYSA plus? Um, but it, it is legit. So I'd go for that. Um, <laughs> DJ BSEC uh, has joined the chat from bed. Hello, BSEC. <laughs> uh, that Ansel's so hot right now. <laughs> All right, what else we got? Questions. I saw Nick Barker come in with a question. Um, hey, Jerry, what was the hardest part about becoming a YouTuber? It seems glamorous and fun, but there's got to be some work, Nick Barker. Yeah, I mean, dude. <laughs> YouTube is, you know, it's funny. Like YouTube's an alo to work, right? Like try this, make an audio only podcast and see how much work it is. Then throw in video, right? Um, I'm actually working on a course that I, I'm doing for fun. Like all of my cyber related course content is more like for the business and stuff, but I'm making a how to become a YouTuber class because it's fun, but it's a lot of work. You got to remember with uh, being a YouTuber, there's just so much to it, right? So really quick, Nick Barker and, and Chad, if you guys are interested um, in this conversation, I, I'll give you a little bit. And if Chad is interested in more about the challenges and the struggles and some of the uh, not obvious things about YouTubing, I will get into it if you want uh, for jaw jacking. Let me check my calendar really quickly. I'm sorry, everybody. Nope, I'm good. Um, so... With YouTube, right? You've got to film, right? You got to film. So, what are you going to film? You got to have a you got to have a show idea. Where do you get the show idea from? Well, you could just make something up. Like I wanted to do a video on what is Purple Team. It was like one of my first videos. But guess what? Nobody cared. Nobody was looking for. Nobody was asking what is Purple Teaming, right? So now you got to either make content you want or content the algorithm demands of you. And the algorithm is basically the audience on YouTube that is asking questions and wanting stuff. So if your goal is to just make videos and have fun, you can make whatever you want. And I do do that. But if your goal is to have 100,000 subs or 10,000 subs or whatever, get monetized, whatever it is, um, then you've got to become a servant to the algorithm and start making content that you may not necessarily want. Right? So those are some struggles, but let's just say there's a perfect synergy between content you want and content. The algorithm wants. All right, cool. Now you got to film. You got to get a camera. You got to get a microphone. You got to get lighting. You've got to set it all up. I, you know, obviously I'm further along the road. So like my studio is always set up. So I've gotten rid of that burden, but back in the day, go watch my first like 10 videos. I'd literally have to like set up a tripod, set up a camera, set up lights, hit record, run a microphone, do multiple takes, write a little script or like I had an outline hanging under my camera. Then you got to film it. Then you got to turn it off. Then you got to break everything down, right? So that's like 30, 30 minutes, 40 minutes of like setup and breakdown, not just recording. Then you got to pop the video out. Then you got to put the video in your computer. Then you got to edit the video. Then are you going to add some B-roll and audio? You got to do all that. It already looks like it doesn't look great because I'm not an editor. 
Then you got to bundle it. Then you got to make a thumbnail. Then you got to come up with a title. Then you got to do a description. Then you got to do all these things. Then you got to do tags. Then you got to promote it. And then you got to watch it either take off or fail. Then you got to deal with the emotional damage of like, I made this video and no one likes it. Or people are dropping troll comments in chat. Like it's a lot. And I can go much deeper, but I won't because I know uh, people want to um, answer questions. I'm, I definitely don't, uh, I definitely don't regret it. I love, I love what I do and I love making content. I love connecting with all of you. So I'm not throwing shade on it. It's just, it's like anything else. It's like getting a job in um, cybersecurity. It's not easy. And once you get it, <laughs> it's still work. How much is the cyber 101 class going to be? Tim McDonald asks, Tim, I'm still working through some pricing exercises. Um, so I can't, I can't answer that question yet. Um, which is why it's not available for pre-sale yet. Um, the beta testers are going through, here's the thing. I want it to be priced, um, appropriately. Okay. And I've got beta testers going through it right now. They've agreed to complete it, uh, by the end of next week. So by that time I'll have gone through the pricing exercise and worked it through. Um, so what we'll see Tim McDonald. Uh, X developer says, hi, everyone, please advise already hold the security plus can't afford the SysP right now. Is there any alternatives than CompTIA CASP plus to keep me learning? Um, well, I mean, geez, X developer. I mean, there's a ton of resources out there to keep you learning like X developer. Um, if I may X developer right here, active defense and cyber deception. This is free. Like, don't, don't mistake free for no value, okay? This class right here is taught by John Strand. You will get massive value from it. It's the end of January. On top of that, the following week, right after that is SOC Core Skills, also free from John Strand. So if money is tight, which it sounds like it is, do these two classes. You're not going to get a certification out of it but you're gonna be taught by John Strand. You're gonna hook into the Black Hills Information Security Community. You're gonna network with other people who are taking the initiative to learn and train. This, Those two things I just told you, $0, massive value. I would recommend you do that. And there's a link, there's links to those. I made it easy. There's links below in the, in the um, show description, X developer to both of those. Just click on them and giddy up. Um, Roland, uh, also shout out to the mods, by the way, the mods keep it real. I'm going to use that mod emote love right now. Love. Oh wait, that's got to patch it. Um, mod emote love, love it, love it, love it. Oh, actually, you know what? Can I do this? Do I have free super chats? You have 10 memberships left to gift this month. Hey everybody coming in hot. Oh, hold on. Wow. Okay. Hold on. Rex, Rex with the super chat, $50 super chat. Did we just become best friends? Yep. My dad's employer got attacked yesterday. That sucks. Small family owned optical practice done basic IT work for them before, but I get the feeling I'll be tapped to help. Any suggestions for a reference point to create a defense in depth plan for a business like this? First of all, um, that sucks. Um, sucks. They got attacked. It's great that they have you. Um, yeah, so for a small business defense in depth plan, I mean, Rex, a lot, 
this is something that BSEC and I are kind of uh, flirting with, working through. Um, I actually, I think Accidental CISO, um, if you know him on Twitter, he's actually putting together like a small business thing. But what I would recommend is um, go in, a couple things. One, obviously you want to get them through the attack, right? So get them back to a known good state. But then once that's done, educate the end users, multi-factor authentication on all the accounts, limit access on all the accounts to only necessary people. Um, Anti-malware, they probably don't have EDR and and the ability to manage an EDR. So anti-malware, make sure everything's up to date and patched as you would expect. Um, If you can, if they have like Office 365, which it's there's a probability they do office 365 make sure that you go in and uh, get the exchange online protection configured however they were attacked make sure you button up that hole right if it was a phishing email if it was um, an exposed barracuda firewall or something like that get that all tightened up introduce um Shodan monitor and have it scan their external network they probably only have a few external ip addresses keep that active that's like 50 bucks a month um what else? Um, go in, take a vulnerability scanner or an Nmap scanner, get on their network and scan their network and find all their devices. They might have shadow IT, unmanaged infrastructure. Giddy up on that. Um, if end users are hooking into the network with their mobile devices, either introduce MDM or create a separate network segment for those devices. If the business practice has got a guest network for patients, Make sure it's a separate network from the internal network. Um, backups, make sure the backups are good. Basically, go look at CIS 18 controls and kind of do a swag on that. Also, once you get them buttoned up with a like basic, basic cybersecurity posture, then do a quick little audit if they want it. Do a quick little audit to identify massive gaps that they have and come up with a remediation plan of like, hey, like you've got these issues. You should invest X, Y, and Z in order to get these um, security controls in place to help limit impact. And then if you want to go absolutely ham, um, you could introduce managed desktop and um, desktop, managed detection and response, MDR. But usually the thing is most MDR providers aren't interested in small businesses because the the, the revenue the revenue isn't really there for them to manage like 25 machines. They want like thousand endpoints and stuff like that. Hopefully this answers your question, Rex, and uh, good luck to you. Um, I, I was about to talk about something. I, I got, I, I don't know, the super chat took took me over. All right. Uh, R- Ricardo Garcia, do I think the Sands Bachelor is worth more than the WGU? It's hard to say. I mean, Sands has quite the name. I, I don't have a Sands Bachelors or WGU. I know like Brady McNulty and several others have gone through WGU and spoke highly of it. Sands is obviously top quality. Um, we're actually going to have a guest on in the next couple of weeks or next month or so. Paul Keistead, I think is his last name. He's a Marine who is transitioning out of the Marines. And he, as far as I know, he's been hired into Black Hills Information Security I met him at Wild West Hackenfest. He's a really dynamite guy. And he actually got a SANS bachelor's and master's for free, like paid for by the government. And he got him in like 19 days or something like that. Like something insane. 
Uh, so he's going to come on and talk about that. We could certainly do that. Ricardo Garcia, I think if you're weighing Sands versus WGU, what you need to weigh is how long is it going to take you to get each of those, right? So time is a, var a variable you need to account for. How much is it going to cost you to get those, right? So those are two major resources that you'll have to contribute to, time and money. And then what is the value in the market? If you can get, if your goal is to get a job and the WGU bachelor is going to get you a job and the Sands is going to get you a job, well, then that's that's you know the same. It's a wash, right? Now, if the Sands one's going to get you um, a better job or access to a network of people, then that could be valuable too. If you're going through, like Chris Young got into a master's program, Ricardo's considering a bachelor's from Sands or WGU, Whatever you do, whenever you get a higher education degree, you absolutely should be networking with your peers and students. Identify the 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 people who are taking it seriously. Identify the people who are um, achieving and socialize and network with them because you too will be an achiever. And it's good to meet those people because then you already have like a built-in um, uh, common interest. All right. Um, All right, so what are we saying here? Uh, QDEP says, do you think we'll reach a point when... Um, I, I, There's a... Unfortunately, in the screenshot, like part of the text is covered, so I can't read it. So do you think we'll reach a point when certs become obsolete? Will industry demand yield to individuals who possess the reputable skills and reflect the company's need? No. So certs are going to stay here, and I'll tell you why. If you're a 50,000-person company with HR and you got major churn, you're losing 100, 100 employees a week, and you're hiring 200 employees a week, Like the certs provide a rubric for HR to quickly identify talent and move forward, right? So like, if you're going to get hired into like a 10-person company, yeah, they want to know, can you do it or not do it? If you're getting hired into like Booz Allen to do government contracting and you've got a thousand applicants, the easiest way is to say, all right, security plus. All right, now we've got 400 applicants. All right, well, like that just saved us an A-load of time. So certs aren't going anywhere um, for those reasons. I've got a question. Okay, <laughs> hack sauce. So I passed the PJPT. What now? Can this be, can this get me a job to start getting the hands-on real work or do I need to keep pushing the PNPT before getting job ready? All right. So PJPT is the junior pen tester. You can get a job. Again, you've got to look for opportunities that are asking for the PJPT. You've also got a network. That is a, a junior level um, cert. So there's probably going to be less demand in the market for that. But what I will say is, especially with pen testing hack sauce, get on hacker one and do some bug bounties. Go pull down some open source software repos and get a CVE. There is opportunity, especially on offensive security to get experience without a job. That's exactly what I would do. And if you can get a PNPT, well then my friend, you're a tripod because that's, that's pretty baller. Uh, I would, if you can get it, I would go get it. Um, I'd also demonstrate excellence in getting it. I, I'm not saying that TCM Academy um, is evaluating you while you're doing the PNPT, but they do own an information security penetration testing company as well. And you do perform in front of them when you do your final exam for the PNPT. So there could be something there. Jesse Johnson in chat, Hacksaw, says that he used the PJPT to volunteer his services 
PJPT is all about Active Directory. Many businesses use Active Directory, so you can absolutely leverage it. And I will say, if you don't have a following or a service you can offer, offer up like free PJP, like free pen testing to like five businesses and just say, hey, listen, all I ask, here's the scope of what I want to do. You have to have a clear path. You can't just go in and be like, I'm a hacker. Ugh. You got to have a clear path of what you can do and what the expectations are. And more importantly, what is the value proposition to the uh, client? I almost said victim to the client. And once you demonstrate that to the client, say, hey, I will do, you know, eight hours of work for you. Point out a couple of things for you to tighten up. In exchange, all I ask is that you write a testimonial about my services. An honest testimonial. If you think I suck, put it in the testimonial. If you think I'm awesome, put it in the testimonial. And once you build that testimonial portfolio out, A, those businesses are going to talk to their businesses and might get some follow-on work. And B, you have legitimate work. So you look legitimate to other businesses as having done this already. It's all about trust and social proof. All right. Uh, did you get a chance to recap on SISP from yesterday? I don't know. I don't think so, George. Is that when I ran out of the... Um, I don't remember what the question was. Yesterday, if you weren't here, I heard the dump truck coming down the road and I had to boogie. I, I had to split like a banana because I, I was going to uh, miss the garbage truck and I didn't want to do that. So, um, sorry, George. I'll answer the question if you ask it. Uh, Nicholas asks, do you know anything about Penn State World Campus Cyber Program? No, I've never heard of it. Uh, uh, so for the PJPT, for anyone out there trying to like side hustle uh, on the offsec, offer cyber awareness, offer vuln scanning, and be within the, like define the scope and get it all straightened out before you attack or before you do the services. 100% agree with you, Jesse Johnson. Um, I see a super chat came in from Chris Young. Thank you, Kimberly. Where the heck is it? There it is. Hey, oh, it's from Nerman. Nerman, my man. I love Nerman. With a super chat. We just become best friends. Yep. Dr. Osier, what are your thoughts on OSCP Pen 200 cert? Is it worth $2,500? Oh, damn, dude. Um, let me pull this up really quickly. $2,500 does seem expensive <laughs> all right so the pen 200 what is this like is this uh like Ju oscp junior oh no this is the full oscp right yeah okay all right so all right so here's the thing i will say this if you can get this paid for by your business, definitely do it. OSCP has long been seen as like the gold ticket, gold standard of pen testing. Um, it's really well respected. I, I will say that in my opinion, PNPT has literally come on the scene with the intention of challenging OSCP for what is the right way to do it right? OSCP's model is try harder. So like they, they intentionally are making it difficult as you would expect. And there's an expectation that to me, when you say try harder, you're already installing a response to when someone fails. And, and 
again, I, I personally don't like try harder as a, as a slogan simply because like it's saying like, you're going to fail, try harder. You aren't doing what you need to do. Try harder. Like, whereas I, I prefer what TCM is doing simply with, if you fail, it, it's an indicator that the training wasn't su- sufficient enough, right? If OSCP is offering training to set you up to pass the OSCP and you fail, that to me, that means like OSCP should try harder at training you better. Um, now, having said that, $2,500 is wicked expensive. Um, I don't know what their um, recurring commitments are like a lot of certs will require you to pay annual fees i don't know um with any cert you really have to look at what is the market saying about it is the market saying oscp is valuable is the market saying hey we're hiring people with oscp i know a lot of people who work in pen testing that do not have the oscp i know a lot of people that do have the oscp so as far as a $2500 investment to me that's a little too rich for my blood, frankly. The only way I would get OSCP is if my business was going to pay for it, my employer was going to pay for it, or I I am trying to get a job and I have lost out the job to another candidate because of OSCP. At that moment, I'd be like, all right, I, def- I obviously need this thing. But just $2,500 is like, ugh. I get it costs to like run the, the exam infrastructure, but bro, like $2,500, I don't know. I don't know. All right. All right. Yeah, we could check on that. Um, all right. Um, so some people, uh, a lot of comments in chat about um, OSCP. If you have an opinion about OSCP or PNPT, drop it in chat. As always, guys, um, just to reiterate, if you're a first-timer or newcomer around here, um, Simply Cyber is a community. Yes, I lead the Simply Cyber community, and I serve the Simply Cyber community. But many of us have experience. Many of us have perspective. Many of us have walked the path. So if you have informed opinions about any of the things that we're talking about, I encourage you to share it in chat as long as you're respectful and as long as um, your intent of what you're commenting is supportive um, of of the group and helping others, drop it in chat. You know, it takes a village, y'all. Got four more minutes and then I got to get out of here. To the beta testers, I hope you're doing uh, well. I hope you're enjoying the course. I'm really looking forward to the comments. I've already introduced a couple um, things. Ooh, I hear the rain. It is, it is a uh, e-learning day for the chitlins, the schools. It's kind of funny down here in the low country. Dude, I grew up in New England. Like... And it, four inches of snow, you're driving to school. I mean, I've driven to school, like high school, like in blizzards, obviously got in a car accident. But like, dude, they don't cancel school for anything in New England. Down here, dude, we're having a, a, a rainstorm and it's like, oh, e-learning day, stay off the road. <laughs> All right. Um, Chris Young, 
talking about threat intel, Dr. Osher, I'm not impressed with the minimal clear-cut training on cyber threat intel. Please advise on how to prepare for employment. I saw your YouTube interview. Um, yeah, so threat intel is a tough one. There is a couple resources out there. I have a video for that. Uh, Samuel Clemens, I did a video with him. Um, you know, you know what's a really great uh, blog post for threat intel is... Um, I almost consider this like a seminal blog post. Um, what's his face? What's the guy over at Dragos, um, Robert Lee? So Robert Lee is known for ICS and OT. And, um, but, but he was a threat intel guy before that. And um, he has this excellent, what I would consider a seminal blog post. Um, let me see if this is the one. Yeah, this blog post right here is excellent. Uh, um, Chris Young, I can I consider this like required reading. This is required reading uh, if you're if you're interested in threat intel because it's not just about consuming threat intel. It's also about if you're going to get into threat intelligence and you're writing reports that are need to be actioned on, you need to be very precise in what you're doing. Um, and thanks, Christine Palika, um, for, for the uh, name there. This is great. All right. Becky Gaylord coming in hot. Are there, are there bug bounties for exposure vulnerabilities that invoice or that involve a system flaw? Are there bug bounties for exposure vulnerabilities that involve a system flaw? I'm not sure, Becky. Um, I'm not sure, honestly, about that. There could be, I, I, you know, in full disclosure, like bug bounties.